Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My name is Jenna, and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Well, welcome back, you guys, to another episode of All the Hard Things. Uh, Today, I have with me Emily and Lindsay. They are, in addition to OCD Warriors, they are the co-founders. They're also sisters of Presently. Is it Presently or is it Think Presently? It's Presently. Presently. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I came across this company and their mission a couple, I want to say it was a couple months ago, um, and it beautiful, beautiful advocacy items. Um, the, the bracelet that I have on that I've been wearing my son, my four-year-old is jealous that I, I get to wear it and I don't let him wear it, but it says brave, the uncomfortable. Um, we can make a kid's version. Yeah. But (laughs) it would last, especially with him. But, um, what stood out to me was that all of their items were consistent with what we teach, which is exposure and response prevention. So it's not like other pieces or other jewelry that you might see, which is, you know, good vibes only or or something like that. It was brave, the uncomfortable, sit with the uncertainty, which is so much better than the alternate. So we'll talk about why here in just a little bit, but um, Emily and Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with me. I'm super excited to get into your story. Um, So first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to be presently? Sure. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. It feels like it feels like more than a month that you started following us or, or, you know, yeah, yeah, vice versa. But, um, I'm Lindsay. I am 32. I am an interior designer um, as my full-time job and currently living in, um, get living at our parents' house in Long Island, but eventually moving back into the city. Which we're going to be living together there, um, beating bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's me. I'm Emily. I'm 27. Um, I am a, an art director at an ad agency by day and a bracelet beater by night. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we both have OCD. Um, we're, we both kind of, Lindsay's five years older than me. So we were kind of, she was kind of able to like mentor me a little bit in the beginning. Um, and so, you know, the reason we'll, we'll get back into like her diagnosis and my diagnosis a little bit later, but the reason we started presently was because, you know, summer of 2020, super high anxiety period for everyone. Um, and so I kind of just personally, like for myself, I needed a little bit of like a, a boost or like a, you know, a kick in the butt to kind of like combat the OCD. Um, and what's great about having a sister with OCD is that she's not you know, Lindsay's not afraid to call me out on it, or I'm not afraid Mm -hmm. to call her out on it. If, you know, we think something is, you know, is that an OCD question? Like, I don't know if I should really answer that. Um, Or telling our mom to, you know, don't answer her. She's, she's just looking for reassurance. (laughs) Kicking her under the table and being like, giving her the eye. (laughs) Like, don't say anything. Um, And so it's, it sort of is like a, a little, like a special, you know, relationship that we kind of have that we kind of understand the language of OCD. And so, um, yeah, so I was just looking for like a, a something that could sort of remind me, like Lindsay would remind me if I was, you know, looking for some reassurance or, um, you know, trying to parse some thoughts out in my head. 
Um, and so I looked online um, to try to look for something because I feel like I couldn't think of a phrase that would like perfectly encapsulate what I would need to hear. Um, what even though what your therapist what, or what my you, therapist yeah. would say in like one phrase, you know, so it's so I was searching, searching, searching. I couldn't find anything. All I kept finding was, like you said, like good vibes only or think positive thoughts or, you know, everything happens for a reason, like things that are innately like, I guess they're motivational in a sense, but they're not actually super helpful when you have anxiety or OCD. Um, and so I came to Lindsay and I was like, Lindsay didn't have a job at the time. And I was like, I think, you know, this might be fun. We actually, we never talked about this before, but we did talk about, we have a brother actually, he'd be very excited that we're mentioning him because <laughs> we literally never talked about him. Um, he's an architect and Lindsay's an interior designer and I'm a graphic designer. So we always joke so, about yeah. having like a company together. So I think that's like really where it came from. I never yeah, really thought of that until just now. Um, but yeah, so I was like, we, we should just like make these bracelets if they don't exist. Like I bet you so many people would find them helpful. And um, Lindsay's always wanted to do something in, you know, maybe writing a book about her story or just like sharing it because, you know, we feel like every time we do share our story, um, you know, you people, you got a good reaction and surprisingly you're like, you know, worried people are going to judge you, but then all of a sudden there's someone coming to you being like, I deal with the exact same thing. Or I had no idea that someone else is experiencing right. that. And, and then your heart, like my heart is like, how, like what, how, how is nobody else talking about this? You know, it's so, so it's like, a, it was a twofold kind of project where we wanted to kind of make this cool jewelry. Um, and we wanted to also just like share our story and spread awareness. I love that. And like I mentioned, what stood out to me, I had never seen bracelets like this. I had only ever seen the ones that you had described, which is like, everything happens for a reason and breathe or, you know, you know, things that if you didn't speak our language, you know, in the OCD community or having been through exposure and response prevention or cognitive behavioral therapy for OCD, it might work fine, but that's not what we need to hear. That's not what people in the OCD community need to hear. We need things like sit with the uncertainty. Like you said, those little reminders, um, that just jolt you back into the present and, I love how you were saying, um, you know, that, that your sister would sometimes be that reminder for you, but you know, how can you kind of bring that with you everywhere? Uh, so I love that you found this need in the community, something that you also needed for yourselves and you went for it and they're beautiful. Oh my gosh. I will definitely post links in the show notes. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, so they're really, really great. And so let's talk about your experience as sisters living with two different types of OCD. So, um, you know, we know some of them, some of the people listening probably maybe don't know, but there's a strong genetic component to OCD. It's also very environmental. Um, and so, you know, I think something else that you guys had spoken to was like the teamwork that it takes to, to know the language and you call each other out, but you do it in a way that's supportive. You doesn't seem like you accommodate each other. So if you could each talk about your experience of having OCD, just really get down to the nitty gritty, but then come back together and tell us like, what does that teamwork look like? How do you support each other without accommodating? I think that would be awesome. So go ahead. I can go. Um, so interesting that you're saying it's like when you're saying genetic and you're saying it's environmental um you know like I feel we were brought up in a house where our mom was very um overprotective overprotective and always it seemed like she was anxious but like you know she never it wasn't that at that time we didn't think she was anxious we were like she's just a crazy mother that <laughs> loves us a lot doesn't want us to get hurt right and then it's not really until like today that for like the last few years where we were like, I think she, you know, she might be a little bit too overprotective. <laughs> right. So, and our, but our dad, our dad, um, so how I started, how I realized I had OCD was I would, um, you know, I would in middle school start lining things up in my closet, um, you know, making sure I did something a certain way close the lights a certain amount or shut shut and open or turn on the lights a certain number of times. And I was 
I guess I had vocalized it and, or maybe my mom or dad had recognized this behavior. And my dad actually was like, said to me, I remember in the car was like, you know, I had these things when I was a kid too. Um, it's called like OCD, like, and it's interesting because he denies that he has it today, but I remember him telling me that he had it when I was in middle school. So anyways, we see him tap things all the time. He just pretends that I was just tapping that. I'm like, you don't just tap, just to tap. <laughs> um, so I grew up when I, when I was a kid, I would have those kind of obsessive thoughts that if I didn't do something a certain amount of times, someone would get hurt. Um, you know, or I would have the responsibility of, of playing into uh, to something happening you know if someone got into a car accident it would be my fault and then how would I you know deal with that but you know as a kid you're as I'm talking about it right now as a kid like I never I guess it was kind of you know you're you're still in development like in middle school and all that so it wasn't to the extreme where I'm finding it today where it's like my thoughts it, it like progresses and it has developed into um more like mental checking now um and mental compulsions and um but so mine started out like that and then in high school you know i guess you things are going on there's different things happening you learn more about the world you learn more about the world you're exposed to different things and um you know it's a stressful time in your life because you're you know looking to go to college and you know have to take all these tests and so I had experienced a almost like existential OCD at that moment that I had no idea that was part of OCD. And so I had this fear of how do I know if I'm, how do I know if I'm not dead? Or how do I know if I'm alive? How do I know if my parents are alive or that kind of thinking? And it, and it, it's, I mean, as a kid, it shakes you. I mean, it's something where it's not like just a thought that some someone might have in the brief moment of, you know, like, is, the, you know, is, is the world round or something like, just like, like a crazy thought that you have or something like that. Um, but then it, it shook me and stuck with me for quite some time. And that's just, that was the scary part is I wasn't able to shake off that question in my head. And I felt it, like I felt it, I felt getting sick. I was not eating, I was missing school. Like I could, I had this, it was like, it, I felt like an illness inside of me. Um, and I guess I didn't realize at the time, I had no idea that that was part of OCD. And I still had, I still were, were doing certain, I was doing certain OCD things, like, you know, not touching something for, uh, a certain amount of times or checking the stove or some something along those lines, but it was never to this extreme or even a part of this kind of um, thinking and obsessing. Um, so that was a huge uh, realization for me. I had to go to therapy. Um, you know, I still get those thoughts today. I still have those fears and anxieties, but it's, it's not to the extreme of that panic attack that I had when I didn't know what it even was. So for me, it was just interesting to see how, and to speak about it today, it's like, I didn't know the complexity of OCD and my OCD and Emily's OCD are very different. And I guess Emily could share first. Did I miss anything else? No. Oh, no. okay. well, well, Lindsay, what I love that you said, I mean, I, I think so many people just resonate. Oh yeah. Really clearly if they see their child or if they themselves start to experience thoughts about contamination or germs, or even the, like having to do things a certain way or a certain number of times, it's like, okay, that's maybe a little bit more easily interpreted right. as OCD, but you know, these thoughts that are a little bit more existential in nature or more taboo in nature, just kind yeah. of not your conventional quote unquote, you know, germ issues or orderliness. It's like, we would never think to, to do that or, or to kind of qualify that as OCD. And how many kids are we missing? How many people are we missing? Yeah. And it was, it's crazy to me that my mom 
and my dad were able to, for some reason, I guess they had read it. Maybe they looked it up. I, you know, I'm thinking about like what they Googled to like figure out Google how even, I, yeah, Google I guess was Google was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> But when you're in high school, yeah. Yeah. It was a <laughs> not uh, that old. <laughs> not that old. Um, but you know, it's just amazing that the the unawareness of, of like the complexities of mental illnesses are it's scary. And it's scary how some people don't have that support. You know, we were we're fortunate enough to have, you know, parents that support us and and you know had us go to therapy and continue continue to support us, you know, today um with our you know mental illness but I know there's a lot of people that don't they don't feel like they have someone to go to and that's always what I loved about you know me and Emily's relationship is that I always have you know she could always understand what I'm going through um and we kind of wanted to be there for other people because we know that that something is it's such an uncomfortable feeling um it's so isolating yeah, it's very isolating. So, so Emily, why don't you, you, you mentioned Lindsay, that your OCD themes and, and obsessions are a little bit different. So Emily, I'd love to hear what it was that you struggled with and what you currently struggle with. Yeah. So, um, I guess it's sort of started in maybe elementary school or, or, you know, late elementary school, early middle school, where I kind of was just I don't really know why, but I just did not want to go to school. I did not want to leave my mom. Um, I couldn't really have sleepovers. I would call my mom in the middle of the night. Like I literally had a friend down the street, literally two houses down. And I like had to be picked up in the morning. I mean, not in the morning, in the middle of the night. And so I guess from there, I always just assumed I was just like an anxious child. Like I don't, you know, there was no really other way to to put it, um, you know, in middle school, I would call my mom every, I think this was the point where I was like in school, um, but I would call my mom on the payphone every day. And <laughs> I'm not that old, I'm younger than Lindsay. For some reason we had payphones in middle school. <laughs> no, problem. I guess, cause we, we weren't allowed to have cell phones. Um, and I would call my mom every day on the payphone during lunch. Like I didn't wanna talk to anyone. Um, you know, I was just going through like a lot of things, a lot of random different things. And I think, you know, one of them, I remember like, you know, I, my friends would want to watch a rated R movie and I wasn't allowed to watch a rated R movie. So I would like panic about like what I was supposed to do. I would maybe like sit on the couch with my eyes closed. Like I really just like, wasn't really afraid to, to, you know, break the rules or, or now that I'm thinking about it, like maybe I was just afraid to kind of deal with the anxiety of doing something that my parents didn't approve of. Right. And it's Um, not like they were really like punishing me. We literally never got (laughs) grounded. We weren't that kind of, those kinds of kids, but I was just like, I had a really, like, I was really, um, I had a heavy conscience. Yeah. And so um, the guilt was a lot. And now thinking about it now, like guilt is a big part of OCD. And so at the time I, you know, we didn't think that I was just, you know, every day there would be something else. Like, you know, I watched a little bit of a radar. Like I'd have to confess to my mom too. And still we're like, okay, she's just an anxious child. Like she's just so anxious. She has separation anxiety. It's so weird though. Cause I remember all, I remember it very clearly. Like every single day there'd be something new that my sister would be in her room. She'd start crying. My mom would start going into her room. Like, what is it? And it would literally take, I think like maybe two to three hours to figure out what for me to get to say anything because I couldn't even say it like there would be moments I think there was one point like maybe I like saw someone smoking a cigarette and thought like oh what if I smoke a cigarette and then in my head I'm like oh my god what if I grow up and I start smoking cigarettes like and then I would have a like you know an episode where I would like call my mom in and tell her there's something wrong and I couldn't get it out of me and so that was a lot of my middle school elementary school days and um you know during that time I'm sure Lindsay you were going through your OCD stuff but I just wasn't like maybe I was too young I wasn't really aware of like half the stuff that we talk about today um and then you know high school was pretty much fine like I think I blocked out a lot of like the middle school stuff and then when I got to college I was in a psychology class which I actually was always really interested in psychology 
but this sort of like triggered me, I guess. And I, you know, we were talking about, I think it was about like, you know, sexual orientation or something like something about how like that kind of cultivates when you're younger. And I think I like almost had like a flashback moment to middle school where they're like one of the you know, things that I would worry about and confess to my mom was like, what if I don't know, you know, which gender I'm attracted to, that sort of thing. So I like panicked and I'm like, oh my God, am I, you know, do I not, am I not interested in boys? Like, am I interested in girls? How do I know this? Like, what do I tell my friends? Like that sort of stuff. Um, and that went on for a really long time in college, like probably most of college. And I think that was like the bulk of it. But then there were things, you know, like I, you know, it got tricky because I, I ended up having a boyfriend in college. And then, you know, I think some of those um, thoughts kind of like subsided and the thoughts really would become like, what if I cheated on him when I was drinking and I didn't know. Um, and so, you know, like, do I tell him about the stuff that I was worried about in middle school? Like, things like that. Like, like the list just goes on and on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it like, just, it was just like everything. I was like, you know, did he do something while I was sleeping? Or like, he answered this question weird. Does that mean he doesn't love me? Like literally it just like morphed and morphed into other things. So relationship I mean, anxiety, like SOOCD, all that stuff. Um, and so this was in college and I was still like very much not talking about it. Didn't really I don't even know if I told him maybe I did tell my mom um but didn't tell him like none of my friends knew again like I would maybe like you know after a night of drinking or even like that night I would like kind of freak out about if I did something that I didn't remember and that's kind of what my friends would remember of me in college but that was again you're an anxious person you're an anxious kid you're still very anxious and mm -hmm. so it wasn't until I went to therapy um when I graduated actually college and this was like six years ago, I guess, that I learned it was OCD in my first session. And I knew my sister had OCD at that point because I would remember, you know, my memories of her having OCD are different than, or just, you know, some parts are more memorable than others. Where Lindsay would kind of, you know, she'd be in her room at night and she'd ask my parents to repeat something over and over again for like an hour, hours, like at like midnight. And so that was sort of what I, or like she wouldn't eat something that she thought was contaminated. And that's sort of what I remembered as OCD. So hearing that I had OCD as well was very shocking, I think, even to my parents. Cause like, as you can probably tell, they're very well versed in, in what OCD mm. is at this point, or at least what they, you know, to a certain point. And so, um, you know, when I went to therapy and I learned, you know, exposure therapy, which was like super, super hard um and like you know learning how to like think of things in a different way or learning that your thoughts aren't always true and like things like that it just really like it really like changed things for the better um like you were saying another another time you were saying that it like was like a huge weight it almost felt yeah like it was like a weight off my shoulders because the reason I didn't want to go to therapy was because of that you know sexual orientation OCD or not sexual orientation am I saying that wrong Yes, no, that's correct. Um, OCD or like, you know, just being confused about, about who you're attracted to. And that was the one thing that really stopped me from going to therapy because I just couldn't like, I couldn't say it out loud. I couldn't, I just, mm -hmm. it was very, very overwhelming. And so the minute I went to therapy, it's sort of like the weight came off my shoulders. And then, you know, eventually that sort of obsession kind of passed and then new things would come off like contamination and more relationship stuff. And so it just really morphs and changes. And it just, we just, we really like to tell people, you know, our different experiences because we were very, we very much have different obsessions. Like I'm not so much about, you know, is this real life? Am I in a different dimension than other people? I'm, you know, more of my worries are, are more, you know, like everyday mundane things, I feel like. And I feel like a lot of people don't know that that could be OCD or like you could be engaging in compulsions that you don't really know like reassuring yourself or asking your friends did I do something that night did I you know so yeah that's that's basically where we're at today
I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive in June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping, you don't have to leave the house, and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories. And I think even though superficially they seem very different, I I think at the end of the day, right, it's the doubt disorder. And I can totally see the overlaps of, you know, just the doubt and the intolerance of uncertainty and the stickiness of the thoughts and the aversion to discomfort. Um, And that brings me to your experiences in cognitive behavioral therapy and doing exposure therapy in particular. Um, I think what you've mentioned is, is kind of, there are skills in that kind of therapy, uh, namely exposure and response prevention that can really benefit anyone. And I love this topic because I think sometimes it gets lost on us. Like that exposure and response prevention is much bigger than just doing exposures and overcoming contamination. And, uh, you know, saying that you might be attracted to women, even though you are pretty sure you're attracted to men. Um, it's about really big, picture concepts, like doing the opposite of what your anxiety wants you to do because it aligns with your values. It's about problem solving functionally instead of ruminating. It's about, you know, accepting the things that we all have to live with on a day-to-day basis, which is uncertainty and doubt and discomfort and all of those things and not letting those things hold us back. So I would love if you could talk about your experiences in, um, in treatments and, I think more specifically bringing it back to like what you guys showcase in your, in your items, which is these big concept item, uh, big concepts, like braving the uncomfortable. Um, I am not my thoughts. These are things that anyone can benefit from. So if you could talk about your experiences in therapy and then tie that back to how you can, anyone can really benefit from these concepts. Yeah. So for me, I have been going to therapy since high school. So when it, when I had my first panic attack, um, with the existential OCD, um, and I've been in CBT therapy since then. Um, I, it's honestly taught me so much about life and just basic human emotions and what, what is the right way to look at things and, and knock it get so stuck up, stuck on the, the, um, unimportant things in your life. Um, so it has been such a huge, it's something that I, I, I will always kind of, I think go to, you know, and have some sort of CBT in my life because it is, it's taught me so many life, good life lessons that I carry with me on a day-to-day basis, whether I'm in an anxious thought or just a thought that I'm having at work that has nothing to do with anxiety or not anything that has to do with my OCD. Um, it just taught me like basic life skills, um, which I think is, it's so, it's so important. And so um, I feel like we need to be pushing CBT more um, or exposure therapy in, in that sense. But for me, um, exposure therapy has been my, with, with me, I have been, you know, doing exposures with contamination, you know, um, touching the poles on the subway, sitting in the seats, not washing my hands right after. I mean, this is all pre pandemic stuff, but, um, purposefully, you know, asking an uncomfortable question, you know, to a coworker that, that could, you know, cause them to be angry with me but that doesn't mean they're going to poison my food, you know, and taking, taking little steps at, um, at doing these small things, but that have such a impact in a way where it's, it's, you kind of can't, you, you can't get to that, that point if you don't do the exposures. Um, and, you know, like with, with my therapist right now, 
you know, she's saying, don't always play defense. You know, you have to play offense as well. So like, you know, doing exercises, just like you exercise your body and yourself, you know, um, it's so important to like kind of continually practice because, you know, that's all what every, everyone should kind of, kind of do is, you know, keep trying little things and, and, you know, setting yourself up for whether if it's failure or success, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, practicing. Um, yeah, I think that's my experience with it. Yeah. So I guess I can go on into a little bit of, of what my experience is. So, um, same thing with Lindsay, like it started with exposure, like you were saying the basic, like exposure, um, therapy practices where I would, you know, say things out loud or, um, you know, write down my fears or, you know, not wash my hands after a certain activity. Um, but then, you know, as, as I sort, it's almost like you kind of progress as you are able to like combat those basic, you know, fears. And then you sort of, it, my therapist would always say like, I'm teaching you these tools so that you don't need me all the time. So it would be something I would be able to do for myself. So currently actually, as of like last summer, where's, was it? Yeah, this last summer, I stopped going to therapy. Um, she was like, you're good. You don't, you, I think you're, you don't need, you don't need me on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever basis. Um, and I think it was because I was really like learning the bigger concepts, like you were saying, where, you know, if something's making you uncomfortable, like in, in a sense, like if a thought is making you uncomfortable, um, like that's okay. And, and breathing that will just make it much easier for you to let go of those thoughts or, you know, saying that you're separate from your mind or that your thoughts are passing clouds is like, you know, a thought, a concept where it kind of helps you to realize that even if you're having like intrusive thoughts or you're worried about something, or if it's something as basic as, you know, will this person be my forever person in a relationship? It's like, you know, or, you know, I, I noticed this about this person, or I thought, I thought a certain thought, does that mean that I don't like this person anymore? And it's so it's sort of that basic overall concept of like, just because there's thoughts in your head doesn't mean they exist outside of it. And, you know, you're separate from your mind and, and people don't know that like, like humans have like 6,000 thoughts per day or something like that. Definitely more, definitely more. I don't know the exact, the exact step, but, but you know, we sometimes take our thoughts too seriously. Um, people with OCD and even people with anxiety, I'm sure. And so I think learning that and practicing that understanding that you somehow this thought that just because it exists, like it's in you, it's in your body, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that, you know, that's your truth or that's reality. And so I think that um, that's a big part of my recovery, I think, is because, you know, my thoughts are passing clouds is actually the first phrase that I learned that Lindsay kind of taught me even before we thought I had OCD. Mm -hmm. um, she'd be like, you know, imagine they're passing clouds, like they're just thoughts, you know, you don't have to interact with them, they're just there, it's okay. And so that was the first phrase that I, we decided to put on the bracelet, because that was kind of like one thing I kind of remembered um, that that, you know, really every time I thought of it, I, it, the weight just like felt like it lifted off my shoulders. Like I just felt like I was able to breathe again because you sort of, you remember that, you know, you're separate from your thoughts and that, you know, this is something like I can tangibly do to kind of like get myself out of this like loop of negative thinking or obsessive thinking. Um, and so, you know, towards the end of therapy towards, you know, the last few months that I had seen her, um, it was more of like life lessons and how to, you know, tackle problems that everybody's going to have, not just like random obsessive thoughts about something taboo, but, you know, in your picking a new job and, you know, starting a long distance relationship. And so being able to, to have practice all of these embrace uncertainties, practicing embracing uncertainty, against, you know, will I be um, a cigarette smoker when I'm an adult to, 
you know, I'm going to embrace the uncertainty that I might not be in this job in five years, or I might be making the wrong choice, but, um, or I don't know where this relationship will be in five years, but, you know, it's okay. And um, you don't have to spend your whole life trying to figure it out. You can live in the present moment and still have those uncertainties exist, but be okay with it. And so kind of sit with it and act based on your own values. And yeah, so it, it's really just evolved from that those like granular practices to, you know, bigger life. Right. So concepts. we kind of, we kind of, you know, saw, and I think that's where we really, this really kind of started growing is, is you saw these, these phrases as not just not beneficial for just people with OCD or anxiety. It was like anyone that is experiencing life or that is living right now, you know, needs to embrace uncertainty or needs to know that they're separate from their mind. And it's like the impact and the response that we've gotten from these bracelets and phrases, you know, people who have are, you know, suffer from depression or suffer from um, PTSD or- Addiction or what addiction or addiction correct um and like it it really has hit it's really you know made an impact on so many different um mental illnesses or or you know um disorders or problems that someone's going through Mm -hmm. yeah I love that so much and you know, I think what your bracelets do, I realize you also have some, some stickers and some decals and stuff like that. So I definitely want to give you guys an opportunity at the end here to just talk about presently a little bit, like go into more detail about what it is that you guys have. Um, but I always describe to my clients, OCD is kind of like when you're in that, you're watching a a movie in the movie theater and it's really scary. And, you know, you're obviously not being chased by a chainsaw, but it feels like you're being chased by a chainsaw and, you know, you can't really detach yourself from reality and your heart is racing and your mind is on tunnel vision. And then all of a sudden someone sneezes next to you and it's like, oh, I'm not there. Okay. And it's like, okay, how do we get people to have that sneeze moment and bring it with them? And so that's what I'm thinking. Like that's, that's what, that's what I love about wearing my bracelet that you guys gave me. Um, it serves as that, like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it, it doesn't do it though, in a way that's toxic. It doesn't do it in a way that's reassuring. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, before we get into what it is that you offer and why yours are different, uh, let's talk about why that toxic positivity is so harmful and why it would not be helpful, why it might actually be detrimental, um, especially for say the OCD or anxiety population to have things on bracelets like that. Like, you know, I don't know, good vibes only, or, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) Something like that. Like why, what is it with that toxic positivity and why are you guys different? Yeah. So, oh, did you want to? No, go ahead. Um, so first of all, I've never heard of the sneeze thing before and I love it. Yeah. That's great. That's such a great analogy. Um, and it perfectly like encapsulates, you know, what, what you sort of need to do to jolt your mind or jolt your body out of this like tunnel vision of OCD. But Um, so, you know, toxic positivity, I didn't really, we didn't really know it was a thing, I guess, until sort of like doing research and, you know, like seeing phrases like the, you know, you can do what you set your heart on or, you know, things that I personally think are a little bit like cheesy. We didn't really know that that was called toxic positivity until kind of like researching just more and more about like phrases that people use and what helps people get through certain situations. And so I think if you're telling someone like, don't worry, be happy, two things in that sentence that are totally just unhelpful. First is don't worry because anxiety is inevitable and you're not gonna just like shoo it away. And you know what- You can't put a lid on it. You can't put a lid on it. And I think the only way to overcome anxiety is to actually let yourself be anxious. And I think a lot of people don't know that. So to say to someone, don't worry about it or just think positive or, you know, everything's going to be okay. It might not be okay, which also speaks to the like uncertainty part of it. And then, you know, be happy is also something that could become toxic if you do feel sad and that's okay. Like pushing your feelings 
aside because you think you need to be like happy and positive all the time. And you think that if you think happy thoughts, then happy things will come to you. But I think that is a detriment to people with OCD because you kind of need to like be able to sit with your thoughts and your negative thoughts and your sadness and your, you know, anger or whatever it is, or you'll be kind of like, you know, pushing, kind of like ignoring it and um, putting a lid on it just because you think that you should be happy. Or like, for example, if you're, you know, you're at a wedding and, you know, maybe you're in a good mood or something, not in a good mood, maybe you're sad at a wedding because, you know, maybe something happened previously and, you know, everyone's supposed to be happy at weddings. So maybe, you know, you might thinking, is there something wrong with me that I'm not like super happy right now for these people? Am I, you know, am I a jealous person? Am I not a good person for not being happy for this, these people getting married? Like, um, does this mean I don't want to get married? So some of the OCD, it might like kind of trigger, you know, even more obsessions and more compulsions. And so, you know, the phrase that we have is it's okay to feel how I feel because, you know, A, anyone with anxiety or any human in general should know that like, it's okay to feel different things and you don't have to be happy all the time. And, um, you know, and for the OCD community, it's like, you know, if you had like a random, you know, thought about something and you are assessing whether you feel like this way or that way, or, you know, you're just kind of super hyper focused on a certain feeling, like it kind of works both ways. So, um, so I think that's, you know, the main reason is because, you know, it's, it's okay to fail. It's okay to not be okay. It's, um, you know, Hakuna Matata is another good example. No worries. Like there are worries in life and that's just reality. And so I think it's um, helping people try to be their most authentic selves as opposed to being something that they think they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I love it. Yeah. So with that said, you've kind of dropped some of the phrases that are seen on your items. Like I said, my, I have a gold bracelet. It's beautiful and it's so dainty. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. It's really dainty and classic and it looks, it just looks fabulous if I must say so myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really, really love it. And so mine says brave the uncomfortable. You've already dropped some other um, kind of phrases that are on there. Like my thoughts are passing clouds. Um, I think another one is it's okay to feel how I feel. What are some other ones? And and tell us what else you guys do in your words. You know, what other things do you guys do? What are, are your other products and where can people learn more about it? Do you want it? Okay. Um, yeah. So we have, um, in addition to the ones that you mentioned, we have embrace uncertainty. Um, That's the one that, that is always, been something that I use as a daily on a daily basis with my whole existential OCD um it's kind of like you have to embrace the uncertainty there is no certainty in life and I always need to be I I I know that there is no certainty but I always need to be reminded it's like if you were to bet you know your left arm is that going to happen you know and you have to kind of think of it as like for me in therapy, um, show my therapist would always say, you know, would you bet your right arm on it? And it's being like, you can only, you know, you can only take the information that you have, the facts and use that to assess what you think, you know, and that's all that it is. I mean, it's like, that's all we can do in life is just try to make the best decisions. And Um, that also goes into, I let go of what I can't control, which is another one which like you were saying is, um, you know, you can only do what you can do. You can only control certain aspects. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can only look at the facts. You can't look into the future. So like, you know, let go of what you can't control. Right. Um, Is there anything else you want to say? Um, Because I interrupted you. No, 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 that's okay. Um, I was just, you know, like embracing uncertainty is that like, you know, I was, I, I can guess, you know, with all that I know, I can guess that I'm making the right decision, but I don't know that for certain. And it's just always and always a good reminder for me because I think a lot of people suffer from the unknown and the uncertainty, and that's just humans in general. Um, 
especially with what we're going through today, um, it's always a nice um, thing that like, it's kind of like, it's a reminder, but it's also very, um, what's the word? Very comforting to read, you know? Um, do you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah, it's like, you're reminded that life is uncertain and if you don't know something, it's okay. And, you know, humans get through things without knowing the future. So, you know, I think it's just like a great reminder of that. Um, and then, so our other phrases, like you said, it's okay to feel how I feel. Um, I'm separate from my mind is another one. Um, I think that one is, you know, that one we always say is like best for people with OCD just because it's, you know, OCD is like all in your head and it's intrusive thoughts. It's, you know, I thought this, does this mean I'm this? Mm -hmm. um, like over identifying with your thoughts. So I think I'm separate from my mind um, has a great, um, is a great reminder for people who suffer from, you know, OCD. Um, and then, um, yeah, my thoughts are passing clouds was that other one is the last one. So, um, you know, every bracelet comes with a little card on it. That's explains the phrase and what it means to us. Um, and, you know, we hope that people kind of can like keep it on their windowsill or, um, whatever, but it, it, it comes with that, with that explanation and you can read the explanation online. So you can pick kind of which one resonates with you the best. Um, we have a quiz actually on our website um, that helps you kind of, you know, it's almost like you're talking it out with us and we're, you know, it's a quiz where you can say, okay, well, um, this makes me anxious or I'm afraid of this. And so it kind of like spits out something that might work for you. Um, yeah, and we've gotten also just customers that have, you know, asked us like, yeah. this is what I'm going through. Like, can you recommend a phrase? Mm -hmm. And, you know, me and Emily are, are so excited that they're reaching out to us and that we you know we can like personally like help them yeah like, so um so it's been really great and then um you know each bracelet we um have a chain break we have three chain options um we have gold and silver options we have beaded options are all um like semi-precious gemstones which we literally beat ourselves it's like we're little old ladies working in like a little <laughs> factory. It's like literally what my mom says, cause we're, we're both living at home right now. So we're just set up shop and it's great. It's fun. And we do macrame. Um, we're, we're just, we're launching soon. We're launching a summer line of beaded bracelets. They're, you know, new and fresh. And so we're just, you know, we're just taking it day by day and we see something that inspires us, you know, we turn it into something new and um, you know, we always thought of like maybe having some sort of like, um, you know, submission process where people can put in their own and maybe we, you know, vote on a new phrase that someone else might find helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just so much to look for, forward to. Um, and then recently we added mirror clings, which are just, you know, they're restickable. So you can swap them out. You can change where you put them. You can get a new phrase if you feel like one phrase you don't need anymore. Um, and so that is just, you know, another, if bracelets aren't your thing, another, you know, solid everyday reminder because everyone, I think every, almost everyone probably looks in the mirror every single day. So um, that we just felt like was another great um, placement for these reminders. And then maybe something in the future, we could do rings or, you know, something that we would look at every day. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, um, basically our products. They are um, brass gold plated, um, 14 karat gold. Um, and I think a portion of you, what you guys make yeah, goes yeah. to mental health profits, yeah, right? Can talk about that. about that part. So <laughs> yeah, so for every bracelet, we donate $5 to one of four mental health nonprofits, which you have a choice of at the, you know, at checkout. So we donate to Child Mind Institute, um, Anxiety and Depression Association of America, International OCD Foundation, and National Alliance on Mental Illness of um, New York City. So um, yeah, so you can you can choose whichever one resonates with you the most. We try to, you know, choose a variety of different organizations that do a bunch of different things, so that you can donate to something that that you know you feel passionate for, and that maybe affects you personally or someone in your family. Um, and 
yeah, it's, it's been great. That's so awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding my card right here. The little card is, it's, it gives a really wonderful description of kind of the meaning, like you said, behind the phrase and it just really serves as a wonderful reminder. Um, so I loved having you both on. Thank you so much for telling your story. I want to make sure um, everyone's who's listening, make sure you check them out. I put, I'll put your Instagram and your website in my show notes, but why don't you just shout it out here um, one last time? Where can people find more about presently? Uh, and you know, if they want to check out some of these bracelets or some of these goodies, where can they find more? Yeah, so um, we are presently, but everywhere else we are, I think, presently. Um, and so we're thinkpresently.com. We are at thinkpresently on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you can shop us on Instagram. You can shop directly on the website, thinkpresently.com. Um, and then even on our social media channels, you can find some you know, tips and information that we found helpful and you know, some examples of using the phrases. And so you can check out you know, what we're all about on our Instagram. You can go on our website, thinkpresently. Awesome. Well, it was so amazing having you on. I know that this is going to be really helpful and um, hopefully we can shake up the toxic positivity messages just a little bit, even if it's just within our own little OCD and anxiety community. So thank you, Emily and Lindsay. It was wonderful having you and make sure you guys go check it out. Think presently on Instagram and thinkpresently.com. Everything will be in the show notes. So Emily and Lindsay, thank you both one more time for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.